0: You take someone that you admire, and it might be someone that you know, in which case, great, you can set up a meeting with them and say, you know, would it be all right to have a coffee and ask you a few questions? What are they capable of that makes them operate at that level? And how could I be like that? (laughs) Tapping, it's emotional freedom therapy. I mean, if you want to get into a more positive state quickly, if you're someone who listens to Ryan podcast, and you want to work out, but you're just not quite feeling it, this could be the thing that sorts you out. Leonardo da Vinci, all those years ago, used to talk about the importance of doing less. And he said, the men who achieve the most switch off on a regular basis. I switch off for a number of hours every day. I switch off all technology. And that has a massive difference on on my mood, my well-being, my focus. I've noticed the more that I switch off, I mean, my energy levels go through the roof. If I switch off four or six hours a day, sometimes my energy levels are up
1: 20%.
0: And it's all about depth. That's the secret. The more that you go deeply into something, the more that you can assimilate these skills and you can't achieve depth if you're constantly checking Instagram.
1: (laughs) You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open-source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on building optimal mental and physical performance into your life, visit naturalstacks.com. Ryan Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncie's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold. Edgy,
0: creative, entertaining, and epic.
1: Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is is the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncy is an innovator. All right. Happy Thursday, all you optimal performers. Welcome to another episode of the OPP. I'm your host, Ryan Muncy. Today, we are joined by Tony Wrighton. Tony is a very well-rounded individual. He's, he's done a lot, does a lot. He's on TV, writes books. He's the host of the Zestology podcast. I'm going to let him introduce himself and, and tell you guys a little bit more about himself. But before we do that, Tony, thanks for for joining us on the show. Hey, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me on. been looking forward to it. Yeah, likewise. So before we really let you get rolling, a couple of housekeeping notes for you guys listening. Number one, as always, go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to follow up with all the links and resources, the things that we talk about. I know Tony's going to introduce us to some concepts that that maybe some of us haven't heard, but but maybe a concept that some of us are familiar with, but in a new way. So there'll be a lot of links and, and resources for you guys to pursue if you want to do that. Go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you like the show. If you enjoy the OPP, if, if the things that we're talking about resonate with you, if, if you think of somebody in your life and you say, man, I wish so-and-so knew this, share this podcast episode and the OPP as a whole uh, with the people in your life that you know would benefit from and enjoy the things that we're talking about. That's how we grow this and reach more people and help more people. So, so please do that. Public service announcement is over. Tony, You know, like I told you before we hit record, I think it's really boring for me to read what I can find about you on Wikipedia. Dude, you're on TV. You get to interview amazing people. You write books. How did all this happen?
0: I've been a um, TV and radio presenter in the UK for 20 years. I'm a presenter on Sky Sports, which is the kind of British equivalent of ESPN. So I do that. That's my day job. And then On the side, I do all these other things. I'm a jack of all trades, hopefully a master of one or two, but probably not. Yeah, so started training in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, many years ago, and ended up writing three books on that. I'm sure we'll talk about that. And then I went on holiday to the jungle three or four years ago, and I got very ill very quickly. I picked up a tropical virus, and nobody knew what it was, and the doctors said, yeah, we can tell you that you've had a virus but we can't tell what it was. That's what you want to hear when you go to the doctor, right? I know, I know. You know, it actually turns out that there's a lot of viruses that have not been mapped by modern science yet. So you you might get an illness and doctors say, look, we know you've got something, but we just don't know what it is. And I ended up having three months in bed with no energy. I couldn't even really walk down the street on some days. Mm -hmm. Scary time. And I thought, if and when I get better... I'd love to do a podcast based around energy and vitality. So that's what my podcast is about. So it's a kind of fun little side project for me, but actually it's been great. And getting to interview experts like you, which your listeners will be able to come over to my podcast because we're doing a, a dual podcast recording now. Aren't we? So I'm excited that, you know, I get to speak from a selfish perspective. I get to ask you all the questions that I want to ask you anyway, but also thinking about my listeners as well, because I know that people are living a lot some people don't have severe energy issues like I had for a while but a lot of people they just don't they feel a bit lethargic they don't feel that full of beans on a daily basis and my mission with zestology is to try and get them feeling better
1: Well, and you're such a great example you know someone to learn from for folks looking for just a little bit more because if it could help you overcome you know that giant hurdle that you had to overcome, it's, you know, it's easy to see well hey if it helped Tony you know get out of bed, uh, then it can help me have, you know, 5 or 10% yeah. more. Now I'm all about the marginal
0: gains. Now I'm back to work and life is normal. I'm like, okay, how how can I get 1% or 2% extra on a daily basis? And I've developed, you know, some cool strategies for kind of trying to do that and t-
1: trying to track that as well. Well, we're going to press you for, for some of those best tips, but uh, we're going to shelf that and come back to it. I want to talk about this NLP stuff, so Neuro Linguistic Programming. You, you said, you know, you kind of became an expert in it. You've written books. Did that happen before the TV stuff or was it, hey, I'm on TV now. I need to learn how to convey my message a little better. At that
0: point, I was a radio presenter. So uh, just just to tell your listeners quickly, um, NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. It's a set of skills and theories first developed in the 70s to basically map out how we do things well and getting us doing more of that. But it is rather a long and confusing name neurolinguistic programming. <laughs> a lot of people are interested in it, but it's just not the great. I think it's because, you know, computers were big in the 70s. So they thought we've got to give it a computer type name. So that's that's why it's called neurolinguistic programming. Um, I was working in radio at the time and I got involved in NLP completely separate just for my own personal kind of personal development actually. I went through a phase of not feeling as happy as I could have done. Kind of did a bit of Googling early days of Google, and came up with NLP and started doing a practitioner course, which was spread over about six months. And an interesting byproduct of this course was the fact that there's a lot of linguistics. There's a lot of how you communicate to other people and, importantly, how you communicate with yourself. So I thought, well, I'm in the perfect place to try this because I've got a radio show that's listened to by quite a lot of people. I could practice these skills on a daily basis on my radio show. So I started doing that, and I think I was pretty clunky at it at the start. I don't think I was very good, but a couple of months in, the, the the boss called me into his office, and he sat me down. and It was on a day that I'd used a lot of these skills, and I thought, Oh no, I've I've been rumbled here. I'm going to get into trouble. And he sat back and he put his arms behind his head and he put his feet on the desk. And I thought, Oh no, this is this is just not good. And he said, I don't know what you've been doing, but your listening figures have gone through the roof. And i had been using these techniques to try and get people to listen for longer, to try and attract new listeners, but also get people feeling better about listening to our radio show. And it turned out that my listening figures on drive time had leapfrogged above the breakfast show, which never really happens. And it stayed like that for a few years. So that's when I started to think, wow, the linguistics part of it is something that I could use.
1: That's really cool story. And as I'm listening to you talking, I'm trying to pick out you know the the components of it that I'm aware of. And, and I hear, I do hear a little bit of it, some of the tonality and, and the inflection. We'll talk about that for our, for our listeners. But you know, I think the the one thing that I want to highlight before we really start you know talking about NLP is the way I look at it. You know, you and I are, are aware that some people can have a negative stereotype or connotation with you know something like this. Uh, yeah, and. You know, I look at it very much the way I look at Robert Greene's 48 Laws of Power, right? So, So it's something that we need to be aware of this because it's going on in the world around us. And even though we may not want to actively use these tools or strategies, at the very least, it's beneficial for us to be aware of them so that we can notice when they're being used on us or in some cases against us. And I'm sure you can you can speak to this where or once you've been kind of trained in it, you can easily see someone doing it, you know, to you or, or on you, however you want to kind of phrase that. Just because it can be used for negative doesn't mean that it's a negative thing. It's a tool and, you know, its use is completely defined by, you know, who's using it and the values or the ethics of that person. I want to focus for the purpose of our show on, you know, how we can use it for self-improvement. You know, as you said, that self-talk, uh, goal setting. I mean, one of the, the most famous NLP practitioners in the world is Tony Robbins. And I don't think anybody would associate him with, you know, a negative use of this stuff. Yeah. He started off in NLP and,
0: and actually I've taken his unleash the power within course, right? It's all NLP, but it's, you know, it's Tony Robbins if I'd, I mean, one just very briefly, I don't ever consciously use NLP language skills when I'm talking to people actually very, very rarely. But I kind of think it's a bit uncool if people do because you can spot it if they've gone on an NLP course for a day and all of a sudden they're trying to kind of persuade you to, I don't know, buy their car or whatever it is. You can spot it a mile off and it's just not cool. So to me, it's like enhancing your communication skills in the best way that you can and becoming aware of this stuff. And as you say, if other people are using it on you, then that's important as well. But, you know, if I was to say to someone who had kids, for example, a seven-year-old who won't tidy his or her room, if I was to say, look, I've got a language skill that could make you possibly persuade your seven-year-old to tidy their room more effectively, would they use it? probably because it's within their values and their morals that they want the child to learn that it's important to tidy their room. So that's, that's where it's at. You've got to line it up with your own personal values. And as they say in NLP training, always use your powers for good. Yeah, that's
1: a good point. So, so give us an example. Like what would you tell that parent? How would you, you know, get them to, you know, motivate that seven-year-old to clean their room? If you say to a seven-year-old, will you
0: tidy your room? There's two answers. Yes or no (laughs) but you could give them a question to which no is not a relevant response so you could say to them will you tidy your room before dinner or after dinner the the answer no just doesn't work there does it so it's just, just a little example of how linguistics can work in terms of being more persuasive but lining it up with your values as well because to me that's the most important thing one of the things we look at in NLP actually is When we learn from another person, there are different levels at which you can learn. And you'll find a lot of podcasts ask about morning routine and behaviors. And actually, that's very important. I love listening to podcasts where people are saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, I I fast for the first 90 minutes and then I have a coffee, but I only put butter in it, you know, whatever it might be in the morning. But when you start to take someone that you admire and you look at these higher concepts like values, beliefs and identity and take a while to actually work out what it is that this person that you admire has. That's, I think, where you can genuinely learn from someone. If you take Richard Branson or whoever it is that you would Elon Musk or whoever it is that you admire in the public eye and you start to map out their values and beliefs, identity and think, what about that could I put into my life? That's one of the most effective and brilliant parts of NLP
1: for me and exciting as well. So how is that NLP? I mean, I I understand what you're saying to do and and I think that's great advice, but how is that NLP?
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's just one of the techniques in NLP. NLP is pretty wide ranging list of techniques based on linguistics, which we've already covered the seven year old example, but also stuff, you know, the, the neuro part of NLP focuses on the brain. Okay, one of the big things in NLP is if you want to operate better, if you want your brain to work better, if you want to perform at a higher level, one of the big things is modelling other people. Okay, so taking someone that you admire and thinking, what could I learn from them? And one of the best ways of modelling for me, it's been an absolute revolution for me, not in terms of my work, but just personally is podcasts. You know, because when you listen to someone's podcast over and over again, you kind of get in their head a bit, don't you? Um, and you start to learn what they like and how they think and even their weaknesses as well as their strengths. So to model other people and to to pick out those bits that you think they do very well, whether it is behavior, what time they wake up in the morning, or their values, that could help you perform at a better level.
1: And that's why that's NLP. Very cool. So give us a couple of examples of how maybe we could use this, our listeners could start implementing some of these things i mean obviously they're, they're already listening to our podcast hopefully i'm doing a great job of leading them in the direction they want to go but what are some other things that we could use nlp in terms of either behavior or daily routines habits the way we think about our goals
0: yeah well in terms of modeling obviously you, you, you take someone that you admire and it might be someone that you know in which case great you can set up a meeting with them and say you know would it be all right to have a coffee and ask you a few questions and it might be someone that you don't know, and it might be someone in the public eye, and it might be Richard Branson, in which case it's probably quite difficult to arrange a meeting. But there's, there's plenty of resources out there about Richard Branson that you can study. And then you could make a list at a different level. Okay, what is their behavior? What do they do on a daily basis? And then you could look at their environment. So this is right right at the kind of bottom of the pyramid. Who do they surround themselves with? And then after that, you can say, what are their capabilities? OK, so environment and behavior and then capabilities a bit higher, a bit more important. What are they capable of that makes them operate at that level? And how could I be like that? And I've done this a few times. In fact, when I went for the screen tests at the, the job I work in now at Sky Sports, I went through this whole elaborate process of NLP, which I'll tell you about in a second. But that, I think, helped me get the job. And then as you carry on making that list, you could write values and beliefs what is it that it's important to them about what they do what do they believe is crucial about themselves and then at the very top you'd say identity How, how do they see themselves what is their identity and then start to cherry pick the bits that you like and apply them to your life in terms of learning studying acquiring new skills or perhaps thinking about your own values and how they're different from the person that you've been studying so that's one example you can model in another way in terms of watching someone literally watching their behavior and in terms of the job that i have now it was my dream job to work at sky sports i mean i used to get home from work when i was on the radio and i would put the tv on and i'd just have sky sports on for three hours in the evening and the the, the channel that i work on is called sky sports news so it's kind of like a rolling 24-hour news channel but it's all about sport so it's it's just heaven for me because i love sport and then My agent rang up after about a year and a half of me saying, can you get me a screen test? And he said, I've finally got you the screen test. And I had about a kind of three weeks. So I modelled in quite a low level of the pyramid. I picked the presenter that I like most. And I thought, "Okay, firstly, I need to look a little bit more like him. Because at the moment, I look like a 90s TV presenter with bleached highlights. (laughs) So I had to go and get a haircut and a new suit. And then I had to kind of model his behaviour. You know, how, how did he present? How did he hold himself? And how did he talk? And when did he talk? And when did he leave silence? So I kind of modeled at quite a low level there. That massively helped. I also used some hypnosis, which is another big part of NLP. And I used some goal setting. So I wrote down what I wanted to happen with the date that I wanted it to happen on. And I wrote it down as if it had already happened. So I wrote, I'm a presenter on Sky Sports and I'm loving life. And I think I wrote the 13th of December, 2006. And that came true this was like five months previously. That came true within a week of the date that I put on the piece of paper. That's when I started the job at Sky. Incredible. I think I started on the 19th or the
1: 20th or something like that. That is great. Two questions for you on this then. You wrote that goal as if it had already happened. And, and you're, I, I've heard other successful people talk about this before. Why does that work? I mean, that, that is definitely part of the neuro-linguistic programming stuff. Do you know what? I don't exactly know. But I think it's probably because your brain,
0: you know, you, when we talk about linguistics, it's not just talking to the seven year old and getting them to persuade them to tidy your room. It's as important, probably more important, the way that you talk to yourself. You know, if you use very positive language to yourself, you would tend to be in a more positive mindset. And if you constantly if the internal dialogue is negative, it can have a very negative Impact on your own kind of well-being and 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 in fact what you achieve as well. So I think that's probably why it works. Um, yeah, think your your brain thinks about it as if it's already happened. Do you do that as well?
1: I do. A friend of mine. We have not had him on the show before, but uh, he's a very successful business entrepreneur. And uh, he was my best friend growing up, and we went to Clemson together, and he always does that. He writes things down, you know, as if he's already accomplished them, and, and he talks about that, you know, with the people that he tries to help as well. So I, I think that's a very, very powerful technique. If you keep reading this thing, you, eventually you believe it, and it kind of falls into that modeling stuff that you talked about earlier, where if you're reading this, if you're telling yourself this, and I'm, I'm sure you, not only did you write that down, you probably read it frequently, if not daily. yeah. And one of the things I try to do in my book, actually, is my books is um
0: take these NLP techniques, which are brilliant, but a bit old fashioned at times and kind of yank them into the modern day and make them a bit more relevant. So with things like that, you know, it might be that I do think it's, it's important to write stuff down sometimes, but sometimes you're not going to get that piece of paper out and unfold it and read it on a day to day hour to our basis. So just very simple things like taking a picture of that piece of paper and using it as the screensaver on your phone you know the lock screen because every time then you open your phone you see your goal or doing the same with your desktop or there's a great app that i occasionally use which uses subliminal messaging have you ever used one of these subliminal messaging desktop apps no what is this it's awesome basically you know what subliminal messaging is right 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 it first i think in the 70s and 80s companies started to realize that if they put a very quick message flashed up on the screen in the middle of the advert the unconscious mind of the person watching would take this stuff in <laughs> and it was super dodgy because it's dodgy an american word by the way we know what it means i, I don't know that we use it but yeah no because i used it in another podcast recently we're like We don't really use the word dodgy much, (laughs) but yeah, so it was a bit dodgy because, you know, they were kind of surreptitiously get advertising and it wasn't kind of very open. So they banned it. Subliminal messaging is banned in advertising in the US and I'm sure in the UK as well. But we can use this technology for our benefit now because I have a program running on my computer that flashes up some of the messages that I want to see and some of the goals that I want my unconscious mind to align with so briefly that my conscious mind barely sees it. But i just get used to it so it's quite cool and they have like a list of about 25 that you can pick from or you can pick your own so it's called subliminal message pro oh it's good fun yeah yeah i've got it running right now and then they give you messages that they suggest like you feel strong you eat nutritious meals i wrote all my own and i wrote them in the
1: present because you feel strong. Yeah, I caught that. I was actually going to point that out. It's interesting that, that they wrote it that way. Right.
0: Yeah. So I, it might be, I am healthy. I am strong. I am confident. Whatever it might be, I am safe, you know, and write them in the present as if they've already happened. Even if they haven't happened, your unconscious mind will start to kind of align towards it. But yeah, Subliminal
1: Message Pro is quite a lot of fun. I think it's free. Awesome. I'm, I'm going to download it today and start playing with it. Let's go back. So you said uh, another thing that you did in that screen test was, was a little bit of hypnosis. Yes, can you explain to us how you were able to pull that off? I mean, I'm pretty sure you didn't dangle a watch and tell everybody they were getting sleepy.
0: Yeah. I mean the, the hypnosis I remember with the first time that I used hypnosis and someone else took me into hypnosis, I was kind of scared because you know, that's what we think of when we think of hypnosis. It's actually a very powerful skill to achieve an altered state so the definition of trance is any altered state if you take your finger now don't do this if you're driving take your finger now and focus on your finger and look at the the difference in kind of texture and skin tone between one side of the finger and the other and, and notice the color and notice how far away it is from your eyes and focus on that finger and as you do that you're starting to get into a different state That's the definition of a trance, just any altered state. When we go into a deeper trance with hypnosis, and you can do it with uh, a technique that I could tell you now if you want, or you can listen to audiobooks. I've got various audiobooks on iTunes that you could download and check out. Then the mind becomes more suggestible, and then you can start to put positive suggestions in there or give yourself positive suggestions. So with me, I was taking myself into a trance, and I was telling myself a suggestion beforehand like, during this trance, I'd like my unconscious mind to think about the, the five times when I was most relaxed and confident and then just go into a trance and see what happens. Because it's kind of meditation, which is nice anyway. I'm sure you're into meditation as well.
1: Yeah, I am, and, and most of our listeners are as well. So that's, yeah. like, that could be a cool kind of mantra or, or meditative thought you know, as you go into yeah. meditation. I think so, yeah. So- what was it, the, the, the five times that you felt the
0: most relaxed yeah, you can you can ask your unconscious. You can give all kinds of commands to your unconscious mind. Do you know our parents generation or maybe our parents parents generation before, say, 1940, 1950 or whenever it was, people didn't have alarm clocks that much. So they used to give their unconscious minds. Do you know about this? No, they used to give their unconscious mind a suggestion for when to wake up. And my mum still does this today. And I it always makes me laugh. But basically, she goes to bed. She doesn't ever use it, never used an alarm in her life. But let's say she wants to wake up at seven o'clock. She lightly taps her head on the pillow seven times. Wow. <laughs> and it works. It's a bit bonkers, but well, it seems to work. She's, she's never late. So, um, <laughs> but that is, I, I guess that is giving the unconscious mind a suggestion.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, but a skeptic could say, well, you know, she's just always gotten up at seven. So, you know, her body's kind of conditioned to that. They could, but then you know, you know what? If she needs to get up at four, she'll still be up. Okay, so she only taps her head four times and she's up at four.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you think about the evolution of human civilization is a massive long line. And for a tiny amount of that, we've had iPhones and alarms and everything else. What did people do before that? They, they somehow managed to get up. You hope the rooster crowed. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. The hypnosis technique that I tend to like is called the Betty Erickson method. And again, this is probably not something to do if you're driving. In fact, it's definitely not. This is the Betty Erickson method, and it's a great way to to relax. Even if you want to use it for like 30 seconds, if you do this right, it'll get you into a completely different place. Because here's the secret. I mean, this is totally cool. Are you you ready for this, Ryan? I'm ready. (laughs) I'm not driving, so. If you do this right you'll be in a completely different place afterwards because your brain has to focus on what you're doing. So in the moments before a super intense activity when I'm about to go on Sky and I'm presenting a big sporting event and I'm feeling nervous, I will do this for 15 seconds when I've got three different people talking in my ear and I have to look like I know what I'm doing and we're one minute before we go on air, I'll do this. And that is focus on three things that you can see right now, three different things, okay? And notice the color, and the texture of the color and the shades and the tones and how bright they are or how how light it is. And then focus on three things you can hear, three separate things. Notice the difference in tone in background and the sound and how far away that sound is. And then notice three different things you can feel. Might be the, 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 um, the air on your skin or the seat on your chair, but three different things that you can feel. So if you do that right, you're only focusing on external stimuli, And therefore, that means all the stuff going on in your brain can't go on in your brain for a few seconds. Okay, all that internal chatter has to quieten, which is a massively effective way to meditate. Now, in terms of hypnosis, you can then do that continuously on a kind of loop. So then you go back to three different things that you can see and three different things you can hear and three different things that you can touch or feel. But when you've done that for really just a minute, and that's what I put in my book, just a kind of one minute technique, it's pretty good. You know, really does take you into a different space. Yeah, that's very cool. Thank
1: you for sharing that with us. Oh, yeah, no worries. No worries. Big secret, that one. Yeah. (laughs) We talked a lot about, you know, NLP. We talked about the ethics of it. We talked about, you know, some examples. Uh, Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about what you do with zestology. And um, as you said before, you've gotten to interview a lot of successful people. What's the most eye opening lesson? that you've learned from any guest on your show?
0: Mm. I mean, it's that's
1: a brilliant
0: question, by the way. And it's quite interesting because in terms of my recovery, I don't think there's one thing that's made a massive difference. I've learned so much from so many experts. I would say that one thing that's been massive for me is eating more fat in my diet cutting down on carbs and eating less sugar and eating more fat. So that's been, that's been a massive thing. Everyone talks about meditate, the importance of some kind of meditative state at some point during the day, which I find helpful. The one thing that's made a massive difference for me on the, on this weird and wonderful journey on zestology. And I actually got an interview on this coming up quite soon. And that is tapping. Have you heard of tapping? No, yeah. this is, unbelievable I mean if you want to get into a more positive state quickly if you're someone who listens to Ryan podcast and you want to work out but you're just not quite feeling it this could be the thing that sorts you out or if you're dealing with something deeper and you're feeling very anxious or upset or sad or guilty or shameful in some way this can almost rewire the way that the the mind and the bodies and, and the emotions all kind of connect together tapping it's emotional freedom therapy and it sounds ridiculous but it is awesome. You tap on various parts of the body whilst thinking of the thing that you're concerned about. And it makes you feel completely different. Does that sound pretty
1: crazy? Yes and no. But I mean, you're probably tapping on specific points, not random points, right? Yes, you're tapping on. It tends to be eight different points.
0: And they are acupressure, acupressure points are closest to the skin. Yeah. So after two months of being off sick, I, I booked into this guy that specialized in fatigue. And I was thinking at this point, I was thinking, okay, I've probably got chronic fatigue. Or I don't know what I've got, but I'm in bed and I'm struggling to, you know, have any energy. In fact, it was a real struggle just to get to his office. On his website, it said, yeah, you know, he does a bit of tapping, emotional freedom therapy as well. I thought, yeah, I'm not interested in that. I just want the stuff about the fatigue. <laughs> anyway, within 10 minutes, this guy was tapping on me and I actually started crying. It was such a release of emotion. It was so good to get that emotion out, as it's called emotional freedom therapy. It's almost like after 10 minutes of seeing him, I knew I was going to be okay. It was absolutely unbelievable. And that is why I'd recommend emotional freedom therapy as something for people to
1: try. It's really cool. That's fascinating. I've never heard of that. So for you guys listening, when we post the blog post for this episode, I will put a link to that in the show notes for you guys. You can uh, try to find somebody in your area. Well, my, my guy, if
0: you want his name, because he does work on Skype and I still see him sometimes. I mean, he's awesome. He's called Ashley Mayer. Oh, he's just brilliant. You know, I mean, it's it's such an interesting the that's it. The energy is his site. So that, that's one. But obviously, you know, there's people who do it all over the world. And you can actually if you Google eft or tapping you can have a go at it right now you can find the the eight points that there'll they'll be like a map and you can have a go at it the only thing that i'd say is i do it at home sometimes and it's great it's about a thousand percent more effective if you go and see someone i don't know what it is but it's just and i actually ended up doing a course in eft a three-day course not because i wanted to practice with other people but just because i thought this is so powerful i need to know more about what what's going on here um And I was just enthusiastic to understand more about what it did. So
1: yeah, EFT, very, very cool. Awesome. That's really cool. So aside from using uh, some of that with your healing process, and and it sounds like maybe you started introducing meditation, maybe you changed your diet to increase your fat intake, reduce sugar and reduce carbohydrates. What were some of the other things that kind of helped you overcome that unknown virus? I'll tell you what's helped a lot, and that is tracking. I'm a passionate tracker. Do you track stuff? Do you write stuff down based on how you're feeling? Sometimes. Like if I start something new or or if I play with a new toy or technology, I will. But I don't continue that. I don't I don't have like one master journal or something like that. I'm a bit of a geek. I'm a bit of a spreadsheet geek at heart. (laughs) And I started keeping spreadsheets
0: on my phone. There's an app called I think it's Data Tracker is the one that I use but there's also another one called Health Mapper and there's another one called My Symptoms. And these apps, you can track subjective numbers and see what's working best with them. So I would give my energy a score out of 100 on a particular day. Today, I felt 75% energy. Today, my stomach was 65%. And then I track various other lifestyle things that I did on a daily basis, like whether I went to yoga, whether I went to the gym, or for a while I was tracking my food as well. And then these apps would kind of, in a slightly roundabout way, give me data on what was most likely to cause an increase in energy. So for example, on the day I do on the days I do yoga, I know now from my tracking over the period of every year, my energy levels increase by five point four percent.
1: That's great. It's very cool to to be able to quantify it like that. Yeah. Cool. I will concede that. So here's this is my stance and, and this is not to To convince anybody one way or the other, but I've been there and I've I've been that guy. So you know, I I used to be 2008. It was I I lived in New York. I was a fitness model, and everything I did was so measured and so meticulous. I had spreadsheets on my uh, computer. And, you know, I'm tracking my macros and and before I would even eat a meal, I'm plugging in, you know, this many carbs and this much fat and this many calories. And, you know, so so I've been there, you know, I kind of consider myself like a recovering ADD uh, or OCD, like kind of person like that. So, you know, for me, where I am at my life now is, you know, looking at it all as a whole and I don't necessarily want to be obsessed with numbers. So you know, I do look back. Like actually, I did Bikram yoga yesterday for the first time in a few months. I love Bikram, and for some reason, I got away from it. You know, over the last few weeks, I've been thinking. You know, I know I need to get back into it. I'm having some, you know, some issues with tightness or feeling a certain way. I'm not getting that mental balance that I always get from it. So I don't have that five point four percent number. And maybe it takes me a little bit longer to, you know, be able to pinpoint what's missing and what I need to add in. So I can certainly see the value in doing that. That's just offering a different viewpoint for for listeners. I mean, I do think, you know, that, you know, while I don't have the spreadsheets, I do look back and say, you know, what was I doing then? What am I doing now? I know Tim Ferriss talks about that a lot, too. Like he writes everything in notebooks. And he's like, you know, I think he said recently where he's like, you know, i I looked back at a picture and was like, man, I want to look like that again. And he pulled out the notebook and said, well, I know how I was eating. I know how I was lifting, you know, at that exact date. So now I'm going to do that again. So there's there's tons of value in that.
0: That's actually a great point. And I've, I've found that one of the most effective things, being able to go back and say, OK, my energy levels were so high in September. What was I doing then? but by the same token i think i think your viewpoint is very you know balance is the most important thing if you get obsessed about it or addicted about it and i think i have got a bit of an addictive well i know i have an addictive personality Um, i know i do too so that's kind of how i moderate it yeah and you know i mean the other thing is i spoke to dave asprey about this bulletproof coffee and he said you know just track the stuff that you're you're actually working on don't track everything You know, I mean, if you're writing down exactly how many grains of rice you're eating on a daily basis, you probably don't need it unless you're tracking what effect rice has on your digestion, you know, and then maybe you do or maybe not, you know, but just, yeah, working on um, tracking what you're actually looking at. So I kind of retire things sometimes or just save the data or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, I I would say that it takes me three minutes to fill out at the end of the day. Um, And then I've got all the data there if I want to look at it and say, okay, you know, I mean, for a moment, at the moment, I'm taking a pine pollen supplement. Have you ever taken pine pollen? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Testosterone, natural source of testosterone, pine pollen. The the one I use is um, Thrival's pine pollen. And it's, I mean, you know, wow, it works in a lot of different ways. You see the difference in the gym. You see the difference with libido as well. Um, But I won't go too much into that. I've always noticed a bit of a problem with my gut when I take it. So I'm tracking it to see if that's actually the case or not. That'd be very helpful for me. What kind of gut issues do you notice with this? Do you know what it is? It's interesting. I don't eat any gluten at all. And I know that suits me. You know, from the age of like 16, I would get a super bad belly if ever I ate um, pizza or bread or anything else. And I was taking it for a while and I noticed that my stomach wasn't that good. And then I looked at the label and it said may contain traces of gluten. So I got in touch with the company and they were so helpful. They sent me the, the printout of the last testing that they'd done. And it does indeed. Pine pollen naturally contains a real trace of gluten. Now, I, I need to work out whether that was just a phase I was going through a few months ago or if actually the pine pollen was the problem. So now I'm cautiously entering back in to see, if, to
1: see what happens. Well, And I'd be curious too. I mean, pine pollen makes me think, well, it's pollen. It could be an allergen. You know, It may produce some kind of a reaction as well just because it is a, a pollen. Yeah, that's
0: what I thought when I originally got into it because I do
1: get hay fever
0: a little bit, but not the same thing. Can't remember why not, but just not the same thing. So it's, it's the yellow stuff that uh, it gathers on your windscreen in, in spring. <laughs> and they put it into a tincture. Um, and you have to hold the tincture under your tongue. You shouldn't swallow it because the gut doesn't absorb it, but the mouth does. So, yeah, interesting stuff. And if you try it, by the way, you must let me know what you think. Okay, I think it's a fascinating supplement. For a number of different reasons, you know, once you get over the age of thirty, apparently men's testosterone declines by one percent a year. So I'm in my forties now, so I'm thinking, right, I need to, you know,
1: like look at that and, and make sure my, my levels are still high. Yeah, back when when I was into lifting and trying to get as big as I could, one of the natural testosterone boosters that I used was D-aspartic acid. It's natural. It's an amino acid. It's been a while, but I think the dose was three grams in the morning, three grams in the evening, and then maybe after a while you tapered it down to just Three grams total per day. There's a few studies that actually support, you know, that it boosts testosterone. You know, I noticed my appetite went up. Obviously, if you're eating more, it's it's a lot easier to put on weight. So I did notice, you know, that, that boost in kind of vitality or, you know, as you said, libido. Fenugreek
0: is another one, isn't it? Fenugreek. And also Tonka Ali. Have you tried that? Tonka Ali? No, I have
1: not tried that one. It's an Indonesian root. <laughs> yeah, that's supposed to have a big impact on testosterone as well. And one other thing to note too, if if, you, if there's people listening and they want to try this stuff, stack any of these with something called stinging nettle. Stinging nettle, it helps bind to and, and reduce SHBG, sex hormone binding globulin. And that is something that actually binds to free testosterone. If you can kind of lower that binding globulin it helps you increase that free testosterone in your bloodstream
0: that's a great point i'm glad you mentioned that because i think i've got two different versions of pine pollen here and i've got one nettle seed is it nettle seed or nettle leaf i've always used nettle leaf but it could be nettle seed yeah I think there is some of that in there as well. what does it do then? It helps you assimilate the, the the
1: testosterone well, so our body seeks balance right and if we just jack up testosterone, then our body doesn't really want that ratio of testosterone to estrogen to be out of its balance. No hormone works in isolation and and that's one thing that you know we always have to keep in mind is you know it's it's a concert and you know, if, if free testosterone in our bloodstream is a little bit higher than the body wants, then, then sex hormone binding globulin, it's named that because that's exactly what it does. It binds to free testosterone, a sex hormone. It keeps those levels kind of where it wants. So if you're really trying to kind of push your body naturally to, to increase testosterone, uh, then you want to you know put that measure in place. You're not shutting down the the mechanism that your body uses as a checks and balance, but you're you're kind of slowing it down a little bit so that you can have swing in the direction that you want. Any of these things that w- that we do, we should probably only do for six, eight, maximum of twelve weeks at a time. You know when you're when you're looking at hormone stuff, and I think a, a lot of these products will even say that you know don't take longer than twelve weeks at a time or, or anything like that. I think that's probably a good point and probably
0: a good point for all
1: supplements as well you know use them when you need them but not all the time yeah especially if you're manipulating hormones so i had no idea that we were gonna go off on that tangent yeah tony let's go back so so tracking trying to boost testosterone uh anything else that that really helped you kind of overcome that uh, illness i have always been a
0: very type a personality I don't know I don't, and I don't know why. Well, I've got some idea why. I think, you know, it's partly to do with my upbringing and partly wanting to achieve and also being good at what I do and taking great pleasure in that. But sometimes at the expense of doing less and switching off. So one of the things that I prioritize now and I track this because it makes me do it. I switch off for a number of hours every day. I switch off all technology. And that has a massive difference on on my mood, my well-being, my focus it's just, I just can't understand why it is. Well, I can understand. I think, I think technology raises my stimulation levels, raises my cortisol levels and gets me kind of super overstimulated. And I think the type A personality that I am, I always want more information. I want to do more, work more, achieve more. And sometimes when I just sit back and do less, I can enjoy the journey a little bit better. So I switch off for at least two hours a day. And one of the interesting things with the tracking that I've done is I've noticed the more that I switch off, I mean, my energy levels go through the roof. If I switch off four or six hours a day, sometimes my energy levels are up twenty percent, just because then I'm doing the stuff that I love. I'm not in front sort of a computer screen. I'm out doing exercise, or sunbathing, or eating, or hanging out with friends, or just doing the nice
1: stuff. Yeah, I love it. That's great. All right, Tony, let's let's get you a couple more questions, and then we'll we'll wrap this one up. What's the best advice you've ever been given? The best
0: advice I've ever been given. I mean, in recent times, I guess, do less and eat more fat. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Where can our listeners get more of you? Well, you can head to TonyWrighton.com or search for Zestology. Over 100 interviews on there. You will be on there as well, Ryan, which we're going to record straight afterwards, which I'm so excited about. And as I said, you know, it's it's my journey. You know, so it's um me speaking to interesting people. Getting up to kind of fun biohacking stuff and trying different ideas and looking into nutrition and science and well-being and meditation
1: and energy and everything else. Or they could watch Sky Sports, right? Sky Sports News? They could.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm on. I tend to get the last night for some reason I was on the glamour shift Sunday night until midnight. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's not the glamour shift. But yeah, I was on there. So yeah, I'm, I'm on three days a week on Sky and I do a golf show every week in the UK here as well. And uh, yeah, so um, there's There's lots to go on. And that's why I think doing less is so important, because the moment I start to switch off, I become more present as well. I love reading and I love watching films and hanging out with friends and I love exercise. And sometimes I think I can almost forget about that when I get sucked into, you know, checking my phone last thing at night. Or spending hours doing emails when I could be doing something creative.
1: I agree completely. It's it's very hard to build that into uh, our life today, but I, that's something that that I am always trying to make a conscious effort to do, and, and would strongly encourage our listeners to to try to do that as well. Um, we're going to sneak in one more before the closing question, since you said you love to read.
0: Have you heard of the Art of Learning, Josh Waitzkin? Okay yeah he's been a, you mentioned tim ferris earlier on he's been a, a guest on uh tim Ferriss's show which is how i found him actually i think he was the second guest on tim Ferriss's podcast and um he's a chess champion uh, at the age of six he started playing and then at the age of 18 he gave it up and he became a tai chi champion now i love chess And I'm getting into Qigong and Tai Chi as well. So the book is firstly his story. So it's a great tale. It's very easy to read. But also it's about how he learned two very different disciplines and the similarities between those two disciplines. And it's all about depth. That's the secret. The more that you go deeply into something, the more that you can assimilate these skills and you can't achieve depth. If you're constantly checking Instagram, <laughs> that's, that's the theory of it. And then a fiction book. I'm reading The Gold Eaters at the moment. It's about Peru in the 15th century, and it's fantastic. I do read a lot of fiction because I found that such a good way to relax. And uh, yeah, who I just had no idea that Peru had this rich history and civilization. So I've just been devouring this book. So th- th- this one's fiction or nonfiction? Yeah, that, that one's fiction. So The Art of Learning is nonfiction, and The Gold Eaters is fiction and it's, it's
1: great. I've almost finished it. Awesome. Well, we'll check that one out. I'm actually, one of the books I'm listening to now is something like The Lost City of the Monkey God or, or something like that. And it's, oh, wow. uh, it's about the search for an archaeological kind of mystery in South American jungles. It's pretty cool. I think I'd like that. I love anything historical as well.
0: Whatever best way you find to relax, It's just so good if you do more of it and it's so easy to get out of that habit. You know, first thing in the morning, not read your book, but check Facebook. Uh, You know, I find it so hard
1: to get out of that. Yeah. And and it's interesting, you know, talking about relaxing with books. And and I think I think you and I have very similar personalities. Our brains work very, you know, uh, closely and, you know, I. When I listen to uh, like a science book, I always have probably three, four or five different books. I listen I, I for some reason I can't sit still and read a physical book. I will not finish a, a hard copy of a book but if I have it on audio I will finish it and I can listen while I'm driving or hiking or whatever. The books, like, like I love books about Navy SEALs or books about, you know, historical stuff, you know, like this monkey god. You know, those books relax me, but they at the same time, they kind of inspire me to, to achieve, to do things, to live a certain way. Kind of like you said, that modeling, if I'm listening to Navy SEALs or whatever. If I listen to a book that's, you know, on our subject, like, uh, you know, anywhere in the realm of fitness or nutrition or anything sciencey like that, My brain just goes down these rabbit holes, and I start thinking, okay, well, how can I apply this to my life? How can I work this into what we're doing with Natural Stacks? And it's not that it's not relaxing, but I just go off on these tangents and I start like doing. And that that was one of the things that I was taught very early on was you know, when you read a book and you get to this tidbit that can help you, you stop reading and you implement that thing. And I think that's very powerful and a very beneficial tip you know I'm not reading I'm not reading just to build a library to impress people when they come over to my house I'm reading because I'm looking for things that will actually make my life or other people's lives better and it's very interesting now because like you said like I, I have a hard time relaxing when I read certain types of books
0: yeah I, it's interesting on the audio books I love reading Uh, print books either on kindle or or actual kind of hard copy but podcasts just great love listening to your podcast love listening to so many podcasts
1: and that's i find a a great way to learn as well well we appreciate you listening to our show and if you do listen to our show then you know the next question we want to know your top three tips to live optimal i would say first of all think about tracking ladies and gentlemen he's prepared (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. Don't worry about it. So think about tracking. I know it might sound like it's a bit of a geeky thing to do, but just get a bit of spreadsheet love going on. (laughs) Secondly, eat more fat and less sugar, which is, I I presume that's probably a theme on your show, but I just found that when I started to eat a little bit more fat, I worked so much better in the morning. And the crazy thing is, if you have like a bulletproof coffee or, or a kind of butter coffee style drink in the morning, even if you make that drink, Without the coffee in it, you still get the buzz. Maybe not quite such an intense buzz, but you still get the buzz, which I think is great. I think the third thing would be to switch off more. You know, Leonardo da Vinci, all those years ago, used to talk about the importance of doing less. And he said, the men who achieve the most, for some reason he talked about men rather than people, but he said, the men who achieve the most switch off on a regular basis. Those who do less, achieve more and what he meant was give yourself 15 20 minutes to kind of meditate every day or just chill out or read your favorite book or whatever it is and that's where the creativity and the power and the kind of motivation might come from so those are my three tips
1: Those are great. Tony, thank you for those. Thanks for being an amazing guest on the show. For you guys listening, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you go to naturalstacks.com. I have filled my notebook with links and and resources to give you guys on that blog post so you can follow up with a lot of the stuff that we talked about. Please go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and share the OPP with the people in your life who you know will benefit from and enjoy the things that we've been talking about Uh, and that we continue to talk about on the podcast as a whole. Tony, thank you
0: so much. Thanks. I've written down the lost city of the monkey god, so I hope that's what it's actually called.